The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I think there's this pressure that we put upon ourselves and I think we receive it from the culture unwittingly that we assume that who we are is what we do or who we are is what we struggle with and who we are is just plain not good enough. And those are lies of the enemy. Next, author, speaker, songwriter, and recording artist Jennifer Rothschild helps us replace the damaging self-talk of me, myself, and lies with truth. to be with you and I'm very excited about this show today because not only, you know, we get to read a lot of great books, we have a lot of great guests, mm -hmm. but honestly, every now and again, I'll read a book and I think, Lord, I need this book. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I felt about the book we have today. So please, will you help me welcome my lovely friend, Jennifer Rothschild. Thank you. Welcome. Good to have you here again. Yeah, I'm so glad to be Honestly, Jennifer, it just, your book is called Me, Myself, and Lies, mm -hmm. which is great. It's all about the kind of self-talk. And I found myself, you know, I'd had a really busy week and I'm trying to get everything done. And then I pick up your book and I feel as if the Lord's saying, okay, mm. sit with this for a while. Mm. Um, so I just personally want to say thank you for writing a book that I really believe will impact the lives of a lot of mm, people. I pray so, thank you. But when I think of you, I think back to the days when I would hear you sing, It Is Well With My Soul. I <laughs> yeah. so identify you with that. My yeah. favorite hymn. Yeah. But you talk in the book about the fact that that wasn't always so. Oh, it was not so well with my soul. In fact, I would sing, It Is Well With My Soul. I used to sing a lot more in ministry and literally I would get off the platform, sit down and start beating myself up. You shouldn't have done that. You should have sang that differently. Did you hear that other speaker? Did you hear that singer? She was so much better than you. And boom, wow. ba boom, ba boom. And just beating myself up with my own words. Wow. Um, I wondered, you know, probably our viewers are familiar with your story, but for those who are not, who are maybe just tuning along for the first time, how old were you when you discovered that, that very gradually the lights were being turned off in your life? I was 15 and I had been able to see perfectly well, you know, up to that point. But I began to have some subtle differences in my eyesight that, that I really didn't clue into. But the clues were <laughs> that my math grades began to plummet. I started to become real clumsy, you know, like I would bump into other students and I felt, I just, I felt so clumsy and I couldn't figure out why everyone else was so capable. You know, I'd, I would trip down the stairs and one night I was walking with my mom we were going to an upstairs apartment where a friend lived and I was tripping up the stairs and my mom paused and said, Jennifer, can you not see these stairs? Uh, and I was just as surprised and said, what do you mean, mom? You can see oh, the wow. stairs. And so that's what really prompted a visit to an eye doctor, which led to an eye hospital. And after several days of testing, that's where the doctors told us that um, I had a disease in both of my eyes. It was degenerative. So at that point, at age 15, I was declared legally blind. But the prognosis was that I would continue to lose eyesight 
until eventually um, the remainder of my retinas would be gone, and that meant the prognosis was total blindness. Mm -hmm. So here I am in my 50s, and I have now lived in total darkness um, longer than I ever lived in physical light. And so um, that's why I know a lot about the grace of Jesus and the importance of knowing that truth and speaking that truth to myself. Mm-hmm. What do you think some of the most damaging lies are that women tell themselves? Well, I think, you know, the lies we tell ourselves are custom fit, right? <laughs> They're very personalized. Some of us, um, we lie to ourselves by calling us names, calling mm-hmm. ourselves names. Um, but I think a lot of women have these universal one size fits all lies. Like, I can't do enough. I'm not good enough. Or who I am is uh, what I struggle with, you know. And since I just can't seem to get my act together, well, then I just must be a big loser. And so I, I think there's this pressure that we put upon ourselves, and I think we receive it from the culture unwittingly, that we assume that who we are is what we do, or who we are is what we struggle with, and who we are is just plain not good enough. And those are lies of the enemy. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Ironically, I think it, in a lot of ways, it works the other way for guys, because I think the lies that guys easily buy into are, I got this, I can handle this, I'm enough, I don't care what anybody else Mm. thinks, I don't need, (laughs) I'm self-sufficient. So I think the enemy kind of works on both ends of that thing. How do we know the truth from the lies? Hmm. Well, so I can give you I can give you a very easy three R's. Okay, they all start with the letter R, and this is an easy way for you to start to begin to kind of look inside what I call your thought closet. <laughs> That's that place inside your mind where you store away everything you ever said to yourself. You don't want right? to look in mine. No, <laughs> no is it a no. mess? It's it's a little hard to predict. I think. <laughs> Okay, so here's the way to figure out what's in your thought closet. First of all, the first R is to recognize. You gotta recognize what it is you say to yourself. Hmm. So like, I'll never forget, I was going to the post office one day and it was like the third or fourth attempt in trying to get my passport and every time I'd forgotten something. And here I can write a book, but I cannot figure out to bring my birth certificate, right? (laughs) To the post office. And so I'm leaving the post office and I'm like, you're such an idiot. Well, I caught it, wait a minute. I I recognize that, that is a lie. Mm. It was just a habit. And so when you recognize a lie, Mm. then that leads you to the second R, which is to refuse. In other words, refuse Mm. it entry. And here's why. You cannot let that lie into your thought closet because what you put in your thought closet is what you wardrobe your life with. So if you're throwing lies into your thought closet, I'm not good enough, I'm an idiot, Mm. then you're gonna wardrobe your life with defeat and Mm self-loathing. And so we refuse, and here's how we do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I like to think of it as like, hold every thought captive at the door of your thought closet. And you do not let it in Mm -hmm. until, Third R, you replace it with truth. So you recognize, you refuse, and then you replace it with truth. Well, the truth is, I'm not an idiot. I'm the workmanship of God. And so I replace that lie with the truth, and then I can put the truth in my thought closet and be wardrobe with good-looking confidence. <laughs> I, I like that you replace it. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I like, though, that when you replace it with truth, your truth was Scripture. Oh, Because yes. in today's society, Everybody seems to have their own truth <laughs> yeah. or someone's truth is 
maybe they're truth for them and not for you. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that there is there is a place where we can get all truth. Yeah, and that the truth. truth. Yeah, the truth, yeah. right? Good, good. One of the things yeah. that I think is really helpful that you say in that you, when you're talking about your thought closet, mm -hmm. you say, you write that when you keep it tidy every day, it's a lot easier, you know, because sometimes we can let that, we can, I mean, like, I'm just going to go there and say my husband's closet, good night, Vienna. <laughs> it is such, is, I just closed the door. His real or his yeah. thought closet? No, his real his closet. Real closet. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if, if ever any of the dogs went in there, we'd never find them again. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a disaster. But... But you say, you know, we can let our thought closet get like that. Mm. But if you do, if it's more like a daily cleanup, yeah. how much more helpful that is. Yeah, and if you really start to tune in to what you're saying to your soul, because mm. that's what self-talk is. We're speaking to our own souls. If you start to really tune in, then you begin to really notice. Because here's the thing, it's a, it's, it's a habit, what yeah. we say to ourselves. It's just like when we're in an elevator and we hear that music. We, we know it's there, but we don't really tune in and recognize the melody. Yeah. Same thing. we got to start really paying attention. I'll tell you a good way to recognize if you're telling yourself the truth, to tune in, is to ask yourself this question. How would I feel right now if someone who I respect, like my pastor or a mentor, if they could hear what I was saying to myself, hmm. how would I feel? Would I be wow. embarrassed? Hmm. Well, chances are, if you'd be embarrassed, you don't need to be speaking that way to yourself. That'll help you tune in. I got a, okay, you're, this is sort of inside joke I'll let the audience in on. Her, your husband is Dr. Phil. Yeah. yeah not, not the. Not the one on TV. Dr. Phil. Right. Dr. Phil, Phil <laughs> Rothschild. Okay. Right. I admit, when I first heard that term, soul talk. Mm. I kind of thought, oh, that sounds like a Dr. Phil thing, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> what really struck me, though, was as I went through the book and I saw how many times you cited scripture where David, the psalmist, yeah. would make a statement and then say, oh, my soul. Mm -hmm. He was speaking to his soul the truth of God. And then I went, whoa, wow, this yeah. is not just some pop psychology thing. This is some hardcore Bible application. Grounded in the scripture. Yeah. Where did where did it strike you? I mean, other than just, you know. Well, I remember to the morning that I woke up and felt just like so defeated yeah. before I even got out of bed. I remember feeling just bombarded. You're not a good mom. Mm. You're not paying enough attention to your teenager. You shouldn't have said that to your husband, you know. Self slander. Mm. I was just a wreck. So I pull myself out of bed and I remember getting the kids ready for school. I sit down at the table and I'm drinking some Earl Grey tea. <laughs> and I just said to the Lord, What is wrong with me? Mm. What, why can't I control my thoughts? And, and it was as if the Lord just gently reminded me until I learned to control my thoughts. My thoughts are going to control me. And the best way to learn to control your thoughts is to monitor and intend, be intentional about what you say to yourself. So I went to scripture because I don't know what else to say to myself that's going to be safe except scripture. And that's how I found it, Randy. Mm. We're not the only people that speak to ourselves, that talk to ourselves. Yeah. All throughout scripture, people spoke to themselves. Now they did the big, oh, my soul pronouncements. We don't do that. Oh, it sounds great, though. I like it. <laughs> well, it sounds a little more educated, um, but we don't talk that way. But the cool thing is, is that because the Lord knows that we speak to ourselves, um, he gives us plenty of truth mm. that we can speak to our own souls. So then we have a thought closet full of truth. And I think that soul, a soul signifies a depth, that when we get that truth into the depths of us, then it's able to turn around and come out like you say. So I love it. I love it. You talk to, um, you give an example in the book that really 
struck home with me because just um, a couple of weeks ago, I was being driven back to the airport after an event and it was a mom and her son in the car and she said, you know, my son was born a little brain damaged but he's doing much better now. Mm. And honestly, inside, mm. I just felt my heart sinking because yeah. I thought, you can't, I mean, it's almost like you've given that label right. to your son. And you talk about that, the way that we have been, I mean, I think of people in our audience, you know, who've been given yes. labels, you're, you're too fat, you're this, you're that, yeah. you're, you're divorced, you're whatever. And how those labels can make us feel completely defeated and that that's all we are. I know. How do you, how do you recommend that we replace those labels? Well, labels limit us. And that's never God's intention. And so often when a label is given to us, we just assume it's ours and we should wear it. But the thing is, when we do that, it becomes our fate. You know, I'm, I'm divorced. I'm rejected. I'm whatever. And God wants us to wear faith labels mm -hmm. to replace those fate labels or even fake ones because half of them are lies anyway with faith labels and and anytime we are replacing um, a fate label with a faith label we know that the faith label is going to come from the truth of scripture and it's going to be focused on who Christ is and our potential in him rather than a label that says your past is your future yeah you are what you do. The faith label says you are more than a conqueror. The faith label says God has given you all you need for life and godliness. The faith label says he who began a good work in you is not going to quit until it's done, until he's carried to completion in Christ Jesus. And so again, we got to go to the word so that we can cover up those lying labels with the truthful faith labels. One of my favorite things to tell women whenever I'm speaking is that your history does not dictate your destiny. Mm -mm. You know, you can start from a really rough place, have gone through some really rough times, but that does not limit your, your destiny in Christ. That's and because right. I think too, I was talking to some women that I bumped into in a Starbucks the other day and they were saying, you know, how do you know the will of God? You know, our lives are so confusing. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, but you're right what you say, Jennifer. You can't know the will of God unless you know the Word of God. Amen. Because to me, it's the Word of God that gives us direction, that anchors us, that gives us shelter. Amen. When you, you talk in the um, book about those who struggle with perfectionism, <laughs> and you identify, because I think that's so often people label, you know, are very self-critical when they are perfectionistic. Yes, yes. What do you see as the root of that? You kind of identify that in the book. Well, I think we have, um, anytime there's a, a fruit in our life that's bitter, okay, and perfectionism is, because it's always unattainable, mm. then you always have to trace it down to the root. And the root of the perfectionism fruit is a false assumption. And that false assumption, it could be, you know, slightly different for different people, but at least for me, because I am a recovering perfectionist, my false assumption was you have to do it better than anyone else. It always has to be the best. And if it's not, not only is your work unacceptable, but you are unacceptable. So a performance driven mentality rather than a provision driven mentality was my false assumption. And there's lots of us that we are eating on this bitter fruit and we're miserable and we think there's just something wrong that if we could just change that habit, y'all, we got to go down to the root. Yeah. We got to go find that yeah. false assumption. We've got to water it with the truth of the word. And that way it can become a healthy root mm -hmm. that will produce healthy fruit. We'll know the truth and then the truth will set us free. I like your, your point about the, the fruit and the root works both ways. 
I know that sometimes when we fight these things and we start, you know, trying to speak the truth or claim mm -hmm. or whatever, we don't necessarily see an immediate oh, no. response. Yeah. How long, I mean, you know, I, I know there's no hard answer to this, but how long should it take before those roots start bearing some fruit? When we put the good roots down, I mean, we got to see some fruit eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the thing to look for even before the fruit is the growth because there will not be fruit without growth. Yeah. And so I think we all need to look at our lives through the lens of grace. And then we're able to see the growth rather than just the defeat. Mm -hmm. And I know for me as a recovering perfectionist, I am quick to see what I did wrong, but I have to use the eyes of faith to focus in on what I've done well. And so instead of looking for the pretty fruit mm -hmm. and saying I've accomplished something, we need to look at the daily grace of the growth. And that's where we find that's our good. victory. And that's when we have the courage then to take the next step. I'm thinking of um, someone watching in right now and recognizing the truth of what you say, but they've had year after year after year of beating themselves mm. up. Where do you, what's the first step? Where do you even just begin to well, start to live differently? I always go to the word. And the scripture that I meditated on when I first began to recognize this habit was Psalm 19, verse 14. And if, if this is new to you and you're feeling like you're drowning in a, in a sea of ugly words that you're saying to yourself, you can pray this prayer every day. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, that's the stuff of our self-talk. Yeah, right. And if we ask the Lord, make these acceptable to you, then that's gonna shift our standard because our standards no longer our bad habit, our low self-esteem. I mean, we accept a lot of stuff we should not accept as children of the Lord. Mm -hmm. But if we change our standard and we pray, Lord, make my words acceptable to you, then we're gonna to begin to see who he is, therefore we'll see who we are. Mm -hmm. And it'll shift the way we talk to ourselves. And not only will he be the standard, he'll be the source, mm -hmm. he'll be our strength, and he'll be our redeemer. Good, good stuff, right? Yeah, fantastic. Right? So that was Psalm 19, verse 14. Psalm 19, verse 14, I honestly recommend write it out on a three by five card. Because sometimes you have to, if your mind has been wallpapered with lies for years, mm -hmm. it's time to strip it away, but not just strip it away, you have to replace it with truth. So write that down and read it over and over and over till you begin to see what Jennifer talked about, the growth. Yeah. I'd put it in my phone and set a reminder every day for it to pop mm. up. That's good. <laughs> right? yeah, that every day, just I pop it, it up, yeah. pop it up. Because you know, the word, the word is powerful, it changes lives. And that's the part of what we do, in addition to just blessing you uh, by sharing people like Jennifer and the, the wonderful truth that she shared, is we like to share the word and word and deed, the word of God, the word of Christ, Jesus Christ, through what we do. And right now, we have an opportunity for you to join with us as we share Christ's love in word and deed. I want you to see something. Take a look at this. So is this is their water source, I'm assuming. This is my first um, encounter here in India, and I can already tell that there is so much to be done. This is where they have to come every day, all the way down here to get their water. This is his only source of water. Well, you see, this is a nice little flow of water out here, but 
upstream, just horses and cows and pigs. And right up the hill, eight children died from contaminated water here. This is just, I mean, there's so much here in Central America and the poverty-stricken nations, it just touches your heart. It's endless. Weena here lost her older brother and a year later her older sister, both of them victims of waterborne illness. I want to look at this water. Ah, it smells horrible. I would never make a child drink this, but these children have no choice. It's this or nothing. It's not enough to tell them don't drink the water. We have to say, here's water you can drink. You know, we're drilling wells. We're providing water for God's creation. He knows them. He knows them by name, and he wants them to have clean, fresh water. Please help us. I know this would be a desire of your heart, too, just as James and I do. We desire to pass on the blessings. We've been so mightily blessed ourselves, and we want to bless these families. So join with us, please, will you? You know, it's one of the most moving things I've ever experienced in my life is to, to actually see with my own eyes um, what it looks like for so many moms who are no different than me, who love their children the way I love my son, but who are born in a very different part of the world where the very basics are not available. You know, when, when my son comes home from college, the week before he comes home, I'm thinking about how can I get all his favorite foods in and how can I stock the pantry with all the things he loves. And there's a certain kind of bottled water he loves. Ridiculous, but I get it for him because he's my boy. And then I think of these moms. All they want is to be able to give one cup of clean water to their children. Because every single mother that I met on my last trip to Angola, every single mother had lost a child because they have this choice. It's like a Sophie's choice. Do I give them no water and so they die the agonizing death of thirst? Or do I give them this contaminated water knowing the very gift I give them might take their life, but we can do something about it now. We can change this, Randy. For so little, we can make a difference. Yeah, you know, most of us, if we were in the had the opportunity, we would say, yeah, I'll give a, a cup of water. You can give a cup of water, not just to one person, but to 10 people, and not just one time, but for a lifetime for $48. Wow. Which seems unbelievable. Let me tell you how it works. The average well cost $4,800 to go in for us to, to dig that well and put it in. It's gonna serve, on average, about 1,000 people. It's gonna last, on average, for 70 years. And when you do the math on that, that's how we can say $48 will give water for a lifetime, clean water for a lifetime to 10 people. Uh, $144 will give that same gift to 30 people. Some of you, you can outright drill a well. You can give that gift to $4,800. I want you to pray about that. And if, you, if God's given you the means to do that, then do that. Others of you might want to partner with three other people, a gift of $1,200 times four. There's a well right there. Some of you, you, you know, you're just gonna have to pray and say, God, do you want me to participate in this? And if so, how much? And then do it. Do it at God's direction. I, I don't wanna lean on you too hard and, and show you the images to guilt you. I want you to experience the joy of giving, 
the joy of reaching out, the joy of saying to others, here's clean water, and not just in water's name, but in Jesus' name. Will you share the life and love of Christ with people around the world for a lifetime by giving them that clean water? I hope that God will lead you to do it. Go online, go to the phones, make the best gift you can. Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink polluted water filled with deadly disease or perhaps die of thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can't end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. A gift of $48 will provide disease-free water for 10 people, $72 will provide for 15 people, and $144 will help provide clean water straight from the ground for 30 people. Please also consider an additional gift of $100 to help provide three families with water filtration kits in emergency areas where our drilling rigs are unable to reach. As our thank you, we'll send you the books Words of Jesus and Words of Healing. One contains only the words of Jesus and the other scriptures for healing in your body, mind, and soul. With your $100 gift, you can receive both hardbound and softbound editions of these scripture promise books. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our beautiful hand-sculpted Determined Eagle Bronze. Please call, write, or make your gift online. I mean, I put my hand in this water and a couple of inches in and it disappears. This water is, oh gosh, it's absolutely filthy. That's why there's such, I mean, this is not something that we can wait for another week, another month. This, this is all they have today. This is all this mom and these two girls and all these villagers and hundreds of villages around Africa are like. They need clean water. And one well, one water well will last a whole lifetime and it will change their life. So many of these children die because of waterborne diseases. I mean, you just have to look at it. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't let my dogs drink out of this. This is horrible but we can make a difference. Would you go to your phone right now and just do whatever you can? Can you imagine if you couldn't, if this was all you had to give to your children? I can't imagine that. So go to your phone, call that number on your screen, go online, give the best gift, just whatever you have. If you've got a lot, give a lot. If you've got a little, give what you can, but whatever you give will bring water for life for these families. Thank you so much. If the phones are busy, please try again. If I lined up 10 children in front of you right now and said, will you help them? Of course you'd do it. Yeah. We have the privilege of bringing those children to you now. So please go to your phone, help us bring fresh water to them. When you do it today, if you do it today, right now, ask for me, myself and Liz. We'd love to put it in your hands because Jennifer's insight and words will bless you as they have blessed us today. Jennifer, Thank you so much for being here. We so much appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Insight. Thank you. We love you. Appreciate all you guys too. Please join us again here on Life Today every day.
He sees beyond our cries to the very deepest longing of our hearts. Sheila Walsh helps us weather the storm inside. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.